We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I've never in my life seen a team with a losing record get as much attention as the Los Angeles Lakers this year, but for good reason, uh, because they could be so much better. When you have LeBron James, when you have Anthony Davis, when you have Russell Westbrook, uh, you're not supposed to be bad. But right now, the Lakers are maybe not bad, but they're teetering on bad. They're walking that fine line between good and bad. And it's led a lot of people to believe that they are not only bad, but unfixable. Because they've given up most of their assets to go get Anthony Davis and go get Russell Westbrook. And it doesn't seem like they have the role players around those guys. And Westbrook's been so-so for them. And he's had some problems. So, But I disagree. I don't think the Lakers are in a position to become title favorites with some moves that they could make towards the deadline. But I do think they could at least become good or decent contenders who you could see going all the way. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think they need to do to get to that point, what moves they need to make, and what um, just changes they need to make as a team and, and their mindset. As Captain Planet, I think, once said, knowing is half the battle. So before we talk about how to fix them, we have to talk about what exactly are the problems with the Los Angeles Lakers. And I have it boiled down to five different things. Number one, uh, they're old. Now, that's not to say that you can't be good if you're old. I mean, when the Lakers won their title in 2020, they were the oldest team in the league. But the Lakers are not the oldest team in the league. They're one of the oldest teams of all time. And being old is doesn't necessarily mean you're bad, but it's not a good thing. You don't want to be as old as them. And the thing about them is that it shows because they just do not play with energy. And a lot of people will point to the defensive end, which has not been great, but it's not been as bad as I think people are making it out to be. Where I have a problem with their energy is on the offensive end. Their age hurts them when almost everyone coming off the bench is ancient, and you're asking so many guys who are 30, 32, 35 plus uh, to put in solid contending minutes. It's just you'd rather be younger. That's how I'd put it. So if the Lakers can get younger without getting you know less talented, they should. Number two, their spacing stinks. And this was a problem that we knew might happen uh, when they signed. Well, not when they signed, when they traded for Russell Westbrook, right? When you have a guard who's not a good shooter and doesn't space the floor, it makes it really hard to have good spacing as a team. So what they needed to do when they got Westbrook was to make the correct signings, get the correct role players to space out the court around him so it wouldn't be such a problem. But they have Dwight Howard. 
and they have DeAndre Jordan. And they had Rondo, even though they traded him. And THT hasn't been shooting well. And you have just too many guys who can't shoot, and it clogs the offense. You know, they might not be the focal points of the team, but these role players who can't shoot are just killing them. Uh, and there's only so many, the way I look at it, there's only so many minutes you can give to guys who can't shoot in the modern NBA. And if you can't shoot, you better be doing something else to make up for it. I think Westbrook with his shot creation, or at least offensive creation, I mean, now he creates for the team, does make up for it. But a guy like DeAndre Jordan, I don't think he does. So they'd be looking to get more spacing. Number three, they don't have enough janitors. And I don't mean that in a literal sense. I haven't been to Staples Center. I don't know how clean it is in the stadium. But what I'm referring to is an Alex Caruso quote from two to three years ago uh, when he came out of the G League and he said, championship teams can't be all stars. Some people, I'm paraphrasing, but some people need to be janitors. Some guys have to do the dirty work. Some guys have to give high effort on offense and move off ball and just you know play within their role. And right now, I don't know if they have enough guys who do that. I don't know if they have enough guys who play like Alex Caruso. And you look at this team, and I know Alex Caruso wouldn't fix everything, but it's hard to imagine LA isn't regretting not keeping him. So you want more guys who are willing to play that role and willing to do the little stuff, because right now that's a big part of the Lakers' problem. It's not a high-end talent thing. Um, It's the guys surrounding him, I think. Number four, they need better off-ball players. Too many guys who want the ball in their hand or who are best with the ball in their hand, I'll say. You've got LeBron, who, you know, obviously, but then you have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis is probably best with the ball in his hand, even though he's been playing really, really poorly this season and he's hurt now. But then you have Malik Monk, who is not bad off-ball. And then you have Taylor Horton Tucker, who wants the ball in his hands as well. And then it just becomes, you know, Carmelo kind of the same thing, even though he is good off-ball. You have too many guys who want the ball in their hand and not enough guys who are best off the ball, who can move, who can keep the offense fresh. You know what it's led to for them is a lot of ISO ball, a lot of team USA ball where it's let's give it to our really talented shot creator and everybody else stand around. uh, And let's hope that he's talented enough to get us buckets and create the offense because if he's not, we'll lose. And then number five, too many net negatives. And what I mean by that is there's too many guys on the team who are just like, the team would be better off if they just didn't play them. You know, exa- like how many how many role players do the Lakers have right now? How many minimum contract veterans do the Lakers have right now who are just not contributing, not providing very much, not doing a ton for the team, uh, even when they're on the court and just never seem to make an impact and always seem to be dragging the team down. And it's too many guys. They don't have enough dudes who you feel like would be in a rotation for any other team in the NBA. So with those guys, it might be addition by subtraction and getting rid of them. So those are the five problems, I think, with the Los Angeles Lakers right now, are five of the big problems. So that means when the Lakers go to make trades, they're looking for youth. They're looking to dump bad players who haven't been contributing. They're looking for good defenders who are at least willing to give energy on that side of the court. And they're looking for spot-up shooters and spacers who don't want the ball in their hand. Now, that does seem like a lot of problems. And it does make it seem like, wow, there must not be much on this team outside of you know the top few guys. But I don't think that's true. I look at their roster... And I see a fair number of players who I think can be part of the post-trade deadline team for the Lakers. So real quick, I'm going to go through those guys as well. First off, you have the big three, or their big three, and LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Uh, Spoiler alert for the trades that I'm going to get into. uh, Russell Westbrook will not be a part of them. And that's not because I think Westbrook is the best thing ever or perfect for the team, but there's not a trade 
for Westbrook that's reasonable for another team to make uh, that would actually make LA better. And there might not be a trade at all. Uh, I've seen the only one where I would think maybe it could get done is straight up for John Wall. But I don't, I don't know why the Rockets would do that. And I don't think John Wall's better than Westbrook right now. And I don't think he's quite as bad as people make him out to be. You're sticking with Westbrook. Then you've got Carmelo Anthony. Uh, the defense can be a problem, but the spacing is needed. Uh, he's a vet. He can still create his own shot sometimes. So uh, I'm a fan. Malik Monk has been really good for them, and he needs to be, get more playing time. Austin Reeves hasn't been getting a ton of playing time, but he's been really solid um, in the time that he has had. He's been shooting the ball decently. He's been playing tough defense. He's a wing, which they desperately need. And I think they're wrong not to give him more minutes. Dwight Howard is a guy who, again, he doesn't space and he is older. But Dwight Howard has played with these guys before. Um, he's a vet, knows what to do in the playoffs. And he still provides solid defensive value. I think he's still playable in the playoffs as a spot five, um, athleticism-wise. So, yeah, he doesn't fit some of the some of the things that you want him to do, but he's he can still be a rotational big for a contending team and it not be the end of the world. He doesn't need 30 minutes a night, but I think he's still good. I think he still deserves to be on the team. And then last, Kendrick Nunn. People forget, you know, he's been hurt and he needs to get healthy. And I'm not sure exactly when he's supposed to come back. It keeps getting pushed back, which makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, but Kendrick Nunn is really good. Kendrick Nunn's a great player. I mean, he was putting up 15 points a game on great efficiency for a competitive Miami Heat team for the last few years. And I don't know if he's going to be world-changing for the Lakers, but for $5 million a year, I mean, that's a fantastic deal. And he's a a really strong player. He'll help the spacing a lot. I expect him to get pretty major minutes, um, and he could make a big impact. So don't forget about him. So that's seven dudes right there. I'll say an eighth, Stanley Johnson. He's been... Providing that energy that you need. Now, his shooting is historically not great over the course of his career. Um, so maybe you don't want to look at him as part of the 10-man rotation going into the playoffs. But he's definitely a guy who doesn't do nothing for the team. So seven to eight guys right there off the bat who uh, I think are going to help contribute to winning basketball. So you're not that far off. And it's not like you need a big star to come and help you get talented enough to compete. You just need a few more role players. So that being said, I have two trades for you that I think will help them a lot. Number one, the Los Angeles Lakers get Bryn Forbes from the San Antonio Spurs for Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, and two seconds. Now, I know the first thing you'd think is like, well, why do they want Wayne Ellington and Trevor Ariza? Uh, They're just salary filler. And San Antonio could keep one and do whatever or cut whoever. Um but they likely end up just cutting them. Uh, San Antonio is not that great this year. Brent Forbes is the type of shooter that a contending team would want, and I'm sure the Lakers wouldn't be the only guy after him. But he's within their price range because he's definitely not worth a first. He's only on a one-year deal. He's relatively cheap, so they can make the salary match without giving up anybody um, that important. And two seconds is, is a pretty, pretty solid deal for him. Uh, so if they're looking to move a guy at the deadline to acquire some future assets, it makes a lot of sense. And Brent Forbes is exactly the type of player they need. He's a little bit younger, meaning that he's in his 20s, which maybe isn't super, super young at 28 uh, for most teams. But for this Lakers team, that is young. And he provides the shooting that you need. I mean, he was on the Bucks championship team last year. So getting a role player who you know can contribute to a championship team, uh, who you know will help with the spacing, who will give you a really good guard rotation right there uh, if you add him, is a solid get for essentially two seconds, which who cares? You know, you're trying to win now. And two players who probably aren't going to be great with the playing time that they get. 
Uh, I will say that with Wayne Ellington and Ariza, you could replace them with any of the five or six minimum contract guys that the Lakers have. So if you're like, I want to see what we have in Trevor Ariza, uh, and I don't want to move him, you could move somebody else. So I think that move is reasonable for both teams. It's realistic. It's not some major blockbuster deal where they have to trade a bunch of... No, it makes it makes decent sense. The other move, and I want to go ahead and give credit, um, because I actually did not come up with this trade on my own. Uh, at Tim underscore NBA did a really, really good Twitter thread about this. The Thunder would trade Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala to the Lakers for DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, and a 2027 first-round draft pick, which the Lakers can trade. I know it might seem like they don't have any first left to trade because of the Anthony Davis deal, but they do. Now, this deal is a little bit bigger than the last one, and it takes a little bit of explaining. Mike Muscala is a player who's played for the Lakers before, and L.A. fans are not a huge fan of him because when he played for L.A., he did not shoot very well. So bringing in another guy who can space from the five and reasonably defend that position uh, would be huge because it saves you from trying to play LeBron at the five, and it gives you another option in that sense. So maybe L.A. fans aren't super excited for him, but... You can reasonably get him, but he's reasonable to acquire, uh, and I think he fits really, really closely what the Lakers need. As far as Kenrich Williams go, they desperately need another forward who can shoot the ball and play with high energy on defense, and that's exactly what he is. Uh, again, he's a younger guy in his 20s, um, which helps a lot, and he's another solid rotational piece um, that gives you more options. Uh, at, at the wing position. So you're not always trying to play LeBron and Melo and Anthony Davis and some of the older guys who you're trying to, you know, conserve a little bit um, for the playoffs and whatnot. It also helps you move off some of the bad players like DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore, who probably shouldn't be getting minutes at this point with the Lakers. As far as this goes for the Thunder, Sam Presti trading for a 2027 first round draft pick is as on brand as I can possibly get. So I, I think that not only this trade is reasonable, not only this trade is fair and the amount of assets going to both sides, but it's under like it makes sense. And we've seen uh, that general manager make moves like that. Williams and Muscala are good players, but they're both players who could contribute for a winning team now, which the Thunder really aren't. They're always trying to sell up the deadline. And this moves allows them to do, and this move allows them to do this again with the players that they're receiving back and DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore. They could keep them. They could put them in the rotation. They could cut them. They're really just salary filler. Obviously making the big asset they get from this, the 2027 first round draft pick. Now with the 2027 first, that might sound like a lot for two rotational players. And you might not be wrong. Here's the thing though. I'm not really sure exactly what the price tag would be for Williams and Muscala. It could be three seconds gets it done. That wouldn't be unreasonable. It could be an unprotected 2027 first, which has a ton of value, really, uh, because we don't know how good the Lakers are going to be then. And yeah, it's far in the future, but maybe the Lakers are bad and it ends up into a high lottery pick. Or it could be a 2027 first, but it's got heavy protections or it has light protections. I'm just putting the 2027 first there for now um, because I know it would get the deal done. Uh, maybe the Lakers don't want to give up another future first and push back um, when they'll get their picks back even farther into the future. But I will say that there's some flexibility on what exactly the compensation would be. I just know that a 2027 first, that 2027 first would for sure get it done. And I'm, sh I'm thinking that most Thunder fans agree from what I've seen. So after those two trades, you've dumped your bad players. You've gotten more spacing. You've gotten slightly younger. And you've added some guys who are going to do a little bit more work off ball. 
Plus, you traded away four players and you got back three. So it gives you uh, an extra roster spot to use in the buyout market. So overall, it leaves the team really well positioned. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Going through the roster, looking at the guards, the wings, and the bigs. At guard, you would have Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, and Forbes. Now, we know Westbrook struggles with the shooting, but you would have three really strong shooters around him. All of those guys could get 20-plus minutes if you want, and I know you maybe can't play all of them 20-plus minutes, but you would have the option to, and if one goes down, the other two can step up, and then obviously you have Westbrook. So that gives you a very, very strong guard rotation. For your wings, you have LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, Austin Reeves, and Kenrich Williams. Um, and then Anthony Davis, if you want to count him as a forward, you could see him as both. Uh, that gives you a really solid forward rotation. Uh, you have multiple younger guys who are going to play high-energy defense. You obviously have LeBron and Carmelo Anthony. Every single one of those guys shoots above league average from three, uh, which for a team that needs more spacing is vital. And then for your bigs, you'd have Dwight Howard, Mike Muscala, and again, uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, sort of that in between where he'll play the four and the five sometimes. Dwight Howard being, you know, the good, solid, older defensive big that we know him to be, and Mike Muscala stretching from the five, meaning that you have a really solid roster full of a lot of players who you know can role play. And if you look at that, that's 11 guys. And of those 11, you have Dwight Howard, who is a non shooter, Anthony Davis, who's been shooting bad, but we know can shoot better, and Russell Westbrook, who isn't a great shooter. And those are the only guys on that roster who are below league average three-point shooters, except for maybe Mike Muscala is slightly below, but he's an above-average three-point shooter for a guy his size. So that, to me, sounds like a roster that has cut a lot of the dead weight, added a few more key role players, become a team that is built better around Westbrook, and overall just made a few small moves that I think fixes them a lot. I don't think it's going to take the moon and the stars to get. They don't need to go trade for Miles Turner, Damian Lillard, or whatever Twitter is suggesting. Uh, to become a significantly better team. They just need to be smarter about who's coming off the bench. They need to be smarter about you know, who are the janitors for this team. That being said, the roster isn't the only thing that needs to be fixed. So real quick, I have a list. But number one, get healthy. Uh, Anthony Davis needs to come back, and he needs to play better. He can't be this bad. And I know he can be better. And I think being on a roster that's better built with better role players and better spacing will help some of that. Uh, but he can't possibly keep shooting this bad, right? I know a lot of people want to say he's a bubble fraud. I don't necessarily buy into that, but he can certainly be better than what he's done now. And then again, like I said, Kendrick Nunn coming back could be big. So getting healthy, getting past this COVID stuff, that'd be a big deal. Number two, don't play guys who are not contributing. There's one key player who I didn't trade away 
um, who I think the Lakers should maybe move away from playing so much, and that's Taylor Horton Tucker. He just doesn't fit what the team needs. And his shot creation is too inconsistent, and his shooting splits are too bad to be getting major minutes on a contending team right now. I would full-on bench Taylor Horton Tucker and let him try to improve in practice or whatever. Um, but he cannot – maybe you give him some spot minutes – he just it just doesn't work with him right now. It just does not work with him for the Lakers right now. So I said earlier about cutting dead weight. I'm not saying you have to trade him, but he cannot be playing major minutes for the team. More off ball movement is another thing uh, that they desperately need. I mean, the Lakers offense is just embarrassing right now. Uh, there's no reason it should be as bad as it is, even with the injuries that they've had. I think it ranks like 26th in offensive rating, something just ridiculous. And from what I watch, I've said this a couple of times um, and a couple of different YouTube videos, but they play like Team USA. It's like a bunch of guys who have never played together and none of them move off the ball and they all look tired all game and everyone just stands around while one dude has the ball and tries to win. And if he, that doesn't, like I said, if that doesn't work, they don't know what to do. You're going to get some more guys who can space the court better. You need to move more. You have to have more plays drawn up. It can't be ISO ball and pick and rolls every single time. And I don't know what exactly the fix for that is. I don't know if, you need the personnel change. I don't know if Vogel just can't handle the offense. I don't know if LeBron needs to step in and say something. But whatever you have to do, it has to be more than this. Because when they won in 2020, they got away with this a little bit more because they had better personnel and their defense was so good that their offense didn't need to be that amazing. But this year, I don't think the defense is going to get quite back to that level. So you need you need to move more on offense. You have to do more on offense. Number four, uh, give LeBron some rest. What LeBron has been doing at his age is incredible, but he cannot do this all year. Every year, the champion is the healthiest team. And playing your 37-year-old best player 35 minutes a night trying to just break 500 is not a winning strategy. That is not going to end well once you get into the playoffs. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Same thing with Russell Westbrook. You brought in all these shot creators. You have all these guys who can you know, create offense and Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony and whoever, and, you know, Westbrook and LeBron, you've got so many guys, then you don't want your top players. Like, the point of that is to not have your top players playing a ton of time and to give everyone rest and get everybody ready for the playoffs. And right now, I know it's partially because they're just struggling to be in the playoff picture. Uh, it's hard to do, but you desperately need to give those guys some rest. They definitely need to load manage a little bit. They also can be active in the buyout market, like I said earlier. I'm not going to sit here and try to predict exactly who's going to get bought out and who they should go get. Uh, and maybe you get somebody, you play them 10 games, you realize they don't help um, or that they're also dead weight and then you stop playing them. But they'll have a roster spot. They'll be a prime destination. Maybe somebody comes in who can play some spot minutes for you. Um, if not, it's not the end of the world, but they should definitely be looking at it. And then the last thing is that you have to be more realistic about Russell Westbrook. Now, I'm not a Russell Westbrook hater at all. And maybe the improved spacing of the team makes it a little bit easier. But he has been killing them recently in crunch time. If teams are willing to leave him open in the corner in game-winning situations like we saw a few games ago, and the Lakers know they can't pass to him if he's wide open in the corner for an easy three, he can't be on the court in crunch time. I'm not saying that you have to just like stop playing Westbrook, but his best strength is that he can still create offense. Maybe let him do that with the second unit. Maybe let him play with the second unit uh, with four other shooters and have Mike Muscala at the five and see how that goes. And that can lead you to giving LeBron more rest and Anthony Davis more rest. And then you kind of sprinkle him in a little bit more. And then you kind of mix him in some still with LeBron and AD. But maybe it isn't that he isn't the best point guard on the team, but maybe he would be more effective coming off the bench and creating offense for them. 
that's all I've got for the Lakers. I don't know if a blockbuster trade is reasonable for them. I don't know exactly what um, LeBron and Palenka are planning. I definitely am in the camp that the Lakers are fixable. They might not get fixed, but they are fixable. They don't have to be this bad. They're not as screwed as people maybe want them to be. They have enough assets to get the role players to fix the team. There are some changes that can still make them better. Even if they did all this, I don't know if they'd be the favorites, but they certainly wouldn't be fighting for a playing spot. If you guys like this video, make sure to check out the other content on this page, the podcast, the other YouTube videos that are coming, and I'll catch you all next time.